Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be uh, the pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, and we are just so glad uh, that you decided to join us this morning, uh, to take a chance on us this morning, especially if you're new. Uh, we know that showing up to a new church uh, for the first time or just visiting is, is a bit of taking a risk. And so I just want to say thank you for doing that with us. And uh, as you walked in, you received a, a program. You can take notes there if you're interested in that. Uh, but also you found a Connect card. Uh, and, and if you are new, uh, we would love to know that you were here. Uh, you can fill that out. And on your way out, there's a Connect table. Uh, you can throw that in there. Uh, and just as a way of saying thank you for taking a chance on us and letting us know you were here, uh, we'll just give you a Starbucks gift card. Uh, but if those of you, if you just have prayer requests or, or, hi, you want to join us? Uh, or if you're just interested in, uh, you know, in getting involved in, in whatever capacity, you're welcome to fill that out, and we'll send you uh, some information uh, accordingly. So, again, thanks for being here. Uh, you picked a great day to be here because we're starting a, a new series, uh, especially because there's so much newness right now coming in with the fall uh, school starting, and although it's not an actual new year, uh, as in uh, January 1, uh, for those of us, uh, for those of you that have children or starting new jobs or whatever it is, it, 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 it feels like we're getting into a, a brand new season, especially with the weather, if you haven't noticed. Uh, I haven't worn like a long sleeve up here in a while. Today is the first day, so it's kind of bittersweet, because uh, I love wearing shorts and t-shirts uh, every single day. Uh, but now I have to wear shoes, right? Like, that's, that's awful. Now I have to wear shoes. So I guess that's adult-ish problems. Uh, but we, we're starting this new series. Uh, really, we're just calling it Gather, Grow, and Go. That's it. Nothing creative about that. But it kind of tells you uh, a little bit about who we are and what we're about. And so if you are new, welcome. And you get, to, you get kind of uh, an idea, uh, an introduction uh, of how we believe that God has called Bethany, uh, not only all of Bethany, because there's six different locations, we're part of, part of that community, which is a blessing, uh, but specifically Bethany West Seattle uh, as a part of this neighborhood, this very unique neighborhood that God is continuing uh, to, to evolve and change and to add and and it's an exciting time to be here. So today we're talking about gather. Why, why do we gather as a church? Why do we gather? Well, why do we meet on Sundays? What's this all about? What are, what are, and some of you guys, again, being new, you might be asking, Principal, what are you guys about? And hopefully this morning we'll answer uh, at least a little bit of that. I can't cover everything that we're about on a Sunday morning. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about uh, why we gather, and then the weeks to come, we'll talk about what it looks like for our community, community to, to grow, because we don't just want to gather for the sake of gathering. Uh, we want to we gather in the sake of being launched uh, into our own individual growth in our faith in God. Uh, maybe some of us is just asking, well, what is God about? Uh, and if that's you, I'm so glad that you're here, and I would love to speak with you. I would love for you to, to hear more about the good news of the gospel and how it actually changes and impacts our lives. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, how we grow together, and, and finally, how we go. How we go. So many times we feel like church is just about entering into this space on a Sunday morning, uh, and I have news for you, if you don't know, uh, Sunday is uh, just a starting point. The biggest part of our lives, obviously, is not, is not spent here, but it's in our own world. So what does it look like to go? 
And even in, the, uh, in Matthew, when uh, there's, this per- there's this passage called the Great uh, Commission, where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and what we have to understand is this word go in Greek, it, it doesn't mean go to this place. Like you're on this mission. Oftentimes it's called a mission trip or mission, whatever it is. Go on this mission. And what I'm here to tell you is actually that word is a continuous active verb, which means uh, a better translation of that is as you are going, make disciples. As you are living life, as you are going to work, as you're going to school, as you are going to your uh, children's you know, clubs or whatever it is, as you are going in your regular daily life, speak beauty, speak truth, embody what God uh, has, has shown us to live a thriving life. Because as you do that, and when you go and do that, you, you truly are making disciples. My favorite thing to do uh, is go into the places that people might not know that I'm a pastor or a Christian or whatnot. And, and I want people to be curious about me. Like, why, why would you do that? Why would you forgive? Why would you, you know, do this and that? Because I want people to see, um, as I'm going, how Christ has, has convicted me and has formed me. So, gather, go, and grow. And today we're talking about gather. Uh, and so, uh, the, the, the passage for us this morning is coming from Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47. Uh, let me just read this for you, and you can also read this uh, from your own Bibles. Uh, if you are using a pew Bible from our pew, it's page uh, 886, 886. And so, The word of the Lord says this, those who accepted his message were baptized. And this is Luke writing. Uh, And he's writing about the church. And he's writing how the church evolved and how the church started. And he's saying those who accepted this message were baptized. Uh, And about 3,000 were added to their number that day, that single day. 3,000 people were added to, to that church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, uh, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Uh, All the believers were together and had everything in common. We'll get back to that. Uh, And then, in verse 40, you know, I'm going to go old school here. Uh, Oh, there it is. Uh, in 45, they sold, this is one of my favorite parts, they came together as a community and they sold, prop, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's our passage today. Let's pray. God, thank you that we get to again hear from you. We get to hear that what you are doing in this church, in and through us, and may we be grateful, may we see that, uh, and may we be a a light to the world as the church, as you've intended us to be. Forgive us for the ways that we failed, uh, and remind us of why we gather this morning. In your name we pray, Uh, amen and amen. One of the things growing up, and and this is kind of a confession, and oftentimes if you're new, this isn't, or if you've been around, this isn't a surprise. I like to start off with a confession. Uh, And my confession uh, is this. Growing up, uh, there was one day that I despised the most. 
There was one day that I always dreaded. And oftentimes, for many of us, that one day is Monday, right? Because uh, you got to go back to school, you got to go back to work, or whatever it is. You got to wait uh, for another long time before the weekend. And oftentimes, for a lot of us, uh, Mondays is that dreaded day. And for me, when I was growing up, uh, that dreaded day was actually on a Sunday. Sunday was the most dreaded day uh, of any other day of my life because uh, I, could o- I could always uh, see it even now where it was always this back and forth argument that I had with my family about going to church. Uh, we had this struggle with me saying, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. And maybe some of you guys here are uh, experiencing that battle with children even this morning. Although I love, side note, I love when they're saying, kids are dismissed. And they're like, yeah, and they all run downstairs. I don't actually know what's happening right now, but uh, apparently they're having a good time. Uh, and I wish that was the experience for myself. I didn't have that. For me, I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it was this unending battle, which ultimately resulted in me uh, kind of resenting Sundays, resenting church, coming into church with a huge barrier with my arms crossed, not wanting to hear or do or take part of anything that was happening on a Sunday. And maybe some of you guys can resonate. And and as a joke, I always tell people, I feel like God has called me to ministry, to work in full-time ministry as a pastor, because otherwise I wouldn't go to church, Uh, or as a punishment for not wanting to go to church. But lo and behold, I'm here as your pastor. And so that is my confession this morning. But I have to say this, apparently, and we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, I'm not the only one that has ever felt this angst or skepticism Uh, about not just church in general, but really being a part of it. Uh, And and let me just go over some startling uh, statistics, Uh, and it's this. Did you know that less, and this is from uh, Church Leadership Magazines and Church Pew and Barna Institute, very credible uh, resources about statistics around the church. Did you know that less than 20% of Americans regularly attend church today? So, Welcome, congratulations, you were here. 31% identify as Protestant. 31% right now identify as Protestant. Actually, this was done in 2016. It might even be a little less. Uh, As opposed to 71% in the 50s. So in the 50s, if you would have asked, I know that's part of culture and and all that, but if you were to ask uh, someone if they're associated with uh, Protestantism or the Christian church, they would say yes. 71% would say yes. Uh, now, 31%. 59% of millennials, this is 20s, early 30s, uh, 59% of millennials raised in a church have dropped out. Now, this is uh, very relevant to us today, probably even especially in this church where as we are filled with many, many millennials uh, 59% of millennials that have been raised in the church have dropped out. And, and I know personally, I have family members that, that fit this, that, that they also dropped out. Almost every mainline denomination, so big denominations, Baptist, Presbyterian, uh, EV Free, like all these denominations, uh, denomination has declined 20% since the 1970s. Since the 1970s. 
And so as I look at this, uh, I'm reminded that as I was growing up and, and, and me really despising and hating going to church, it was pretty clear uh, that I wasn't the only one. And, and again, maybe you've experienced this or been part of it, and I have to ask, okay, well, why is it that I didn't like going to church? Why is it that people, even today in 2018, our neighbors, our friends, our family members, they say, I don't want to go to church. And again, the same people did these surveys, and, and there, was, there were a lot of reasons why, but it summed up in a few words, and we've talked about this before. The church is too judgmental. Uh, the church is too hypocritical, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, the church is irrelevant. There's no reason for me to go to church. Uh, the church is exclusive, and, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves because, A, I know it's true, and B, this actually pains me the most, that our church, that the church has become exclusive. It has become this club uh, where there's uh, these requirements to be in or you're out. And, and so, therefore, people are turned off by that. I, I don't blame them. Uh, the church has been deemed as, as racist, as sexist, uh, as legalistic, as too political. I mean, there's all these, and you can probably name your own reasons why as to uh, people are turned off by the church or why you may have at one point been turned off by the church and I would say this, or ask this, have you ever experienced any of this? Have you ever seen this, whether it's in your own community, whether it's in your own church? And Bethany in West Seattle, even as a pastor, I have to say, we're not immune from any of this. Have you ever been on the receiving end of any of these things that may cause hurt and pain and skepticism and, and, and even uh, this, whether you call it a hatred or this uh, uh, desire to be away from the church? Maybe you've experienced this yourself. Maybe you've been on the, the end where you're the perpetrator. I know I have. And thus, these are some of the reasons why Many people, according to even statistics, have been turned off by the church, by attending a church. And maybe this is part of my reason. I remember growing up when I was in around middle school, probably eighth or maybe ninth grade. Uh, I remember being in a big group of people at church, uh, already something that I didn't want to go to. And maybe it was a sense of me feeling kind of left out. I've always had a, uh, this this sense of being uh, left out in the church or like I just didn't fit in. There's something about the church I, that just didn't work for me uh, that I felt a little bit on the margins. Uh, many of you have heard this story where I grew up predominantly in a, uh, well, as a child especially with my family, a, a Korean church, an immigrant church. Uh, and a lot of people at the church were uh, uh, immigrants or they didn't speak English very well. It's very Korean based. And here I was where I was like, well, I'm Korean-American, I'm American, but I'm not just American, I'm also Korean. So, so there's so many dynamics that made me feel like I wasn't actually part of the church. 
I, and I remember being in this group of people, of peers, uh, they were talking about what they were going to do, or, or better, where they were going to eat after church. And so there were some ideas being thrown around. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, that sounds awesome. I, you know, I was excited to finally, at some point, uh, be involved and included and invited to participate in the life of this church. And then I'll never forget this. One of the guys looked at me and said, so Prince, what are you going to do after church? Oh, you know, oh, I got, I got so many friends. I got, you know, in fact, I'm late. I got to get out of here. And I remember being so hurt because in the midst of this conversation of where they're going to eat, where they, what are they going to do? How, you know, at what time are they going to finish? I thought I was included in that this whole time. And then they look, and, and first of all, that's just like socially messed up right? Like, they're talking about how much fun they're going to have in front of me, knowing that I wasn't even invited. So, note to self, if you're ever going to do that, just make sure you're away from the person that you're not going to invite, because you might end up hurting someone, such as myself. Uh, And I remember thinking back, maybe that is a part of a reason that I didn't like going to church, because I constantly felt so left out. And even today, maybe this is just a bitterness I have to get over, but even on social media, like on Facebook, I, I see them interacting and bantering with, with one another. And instead of clicking the like button, I just want to butt in and just do the angry button and say, you know, right, anyways, that's just my own personal thing I need to get over. So these are the things that really, uh, that we all wrestle with, especially as a children. So my question is, what if it looked different? I know it sounds like bad news, but, but the reality is, this is reality. And, and so my question today, as we gather as a church, is what if we, especially we at Bethany West Seattle, can do this differently? What if we can actually be salt and light? The very song that we sang about, to the world. And even more effectively, to our neighborhood, to the people that attend, to the, to the people that don't attend, what would it look like for the message of the gospel, the resurrected Christ, to be uh, attractive? You know, salt, and this isn't part of my notes, but salt in the first century were used for different things, not only for it to, for it to taste good, for food to taste good, uh, but also to preserve. They didn't have fancy uh, you know, fancy refrigerators back in the day. So there's two main reasons why salt was being used was obviously for flavor and also to preserve. What would it look like for our actions together to, for us to live out what the scripture tells us to live out? I really believe that it would preserve the word. It would preserve what God has for us. People would want to be a part of that. And it would be attractive. And people would want to taste and see, as the, as the psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so my hope and myself, the staff, our leadership team, we want to be a, a community, a church that pursues the heart of God. That's it. We don't want to be driven by an agenda. We don't want to be driven by, you know, people's qualms of, of here's what I want, here's what I don't want. We want to be strictly driven with God's heart. And, and, and I would say this, specific to Bethany West Seattle, there's four uh, pillars, or uh, I guess I would call them pillars, uh, or what we deem as important. And, and let me just break this down. The first is worship. If you're a note-taking person, worship. We want to worship together as a community. 
It says in verse 41, again, let me read this to you. It says, so those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so Paul's teaching, and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So let me just say this. Sunday worship for us is a place where we are reminded in the busyness and chaos of our schedules, of our lives, of our schools, work, and family, whatever it is, for us to take a little bit of a time out, a pause, to come together collectively to to be reminded who we are, how we were created, and what it looks like for us to live this even outside of the church. Collectively, we enter into this rhythm. Yes, it's on a Sunday. That's been tradition. But, but more important on the day, uh, it's a rhythm that we set for ourselves, a rhythm that's been set from the very beginning of time. If you look at the creation narrative in Genesis 1 and 2, uh, it talks about how, how uh, God created the first you know, six days, created and created and created and created. Then God rests. Call the Sabbath. And and that's the rhythm that God has put into place from the beginning of time that is still relevant to us even today. For many of you, you work, whether it's you work uh, at a a job, at home, at school, I consider all that work. There's this rhythm uh, of working and resting, working and resting. And, and, And I would say that working was before the fall. And so for some of you guys, if you feel like, uh, oh, when I go to heaven, there's going to be no work. I got bad news for you. Uh, I think, you know, I, I haven't gone there yet, uh, but I think in heaven there will be work. But the work will be joyful. The work will be good. The work will, be, uh, will bear fruit. The work will uh, be fulfilling. And so that's a little bit beside the point, but the whole idea is from the beginning of time, there's this, there's this rhythm that God has in place for us where we work we, we, we become busy, we become preoccupied with whatever it is, and then on Sunday, we gather as a church to be reminded of God's love for us and how that love impacts us in order for us to show that love to the world. This gathering on a Sunday, it's not the end-all, be-all, but my hope and desire is that it includes listening and you have to know that even through uh, preaching, it's not just me talking at you. I, I, I really believe this, and I want you to know this. Every morning, my prayer is that, God, would you push me out of the way? Because I want the congregation, to you and whoever shows up, to truly hear what God has to say. Not because I have to say it, and I would say if I have to say it, if it comes from my own will and, and my own thoughts and desires, uh, I'm going to mess you guys up. And I don't want to do that. And, and so every morning, my prayer is that, God, even as I teach, God, may I hear from you. And so we gather on Sunday so we can hear from God, whether it's through sermon, whether it's through song, whether it's uh, through others, maybe even downstairs in, in our time of, of eating and fellowship. And may I remind you that this morning uh, we have a, uh, a breakfast for you, so I hope you can join us. But this weekly rhythm... It includes listening. It includes participating through song, 
This is what we call liturgy. Liturgy in Latin means the work of the people. That means we, we do this together. We participate. And, and I know some of you guys are like, I don't want to go to an old school church where they do liturgy. Well, I have news for you that when we sing, that's liturgy. We're doing liturgy together. We are doing worship and encountering Christ together. Together. And I love where it says in Matthew chapter 18, uh, oftentimes used out of context, but I think it applies. It says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. It doesn't mean that God is only with you if you have a buddy. God is with you always. But what God is saying, there's something sacred and so divine and so special when you come, to, when you come together and worship and sing and glorify God's name. Where, where one time out of the week, even in our craziness of our lives, we show up to find rest. Remember Sabbath. And in that time of rest, we are being filled with God and God's love and what God has for us in order for us to fill the world once we go back out there. And on Sundays, as you are filled up by God's word, by music, by prayer, by fellowship. My hope is that you would find so much rest in that. Are you a tired parent? Come and find rest. Are you exhausted from the pressures of work? Come, find rest. Are you depressed? Are you lonely? Are you anxious? Come, find rest. Are you addicted? Are you, are you sick? Are you dealing with just baggage and life's troubles? Will you come and will you find rest? Will you just empty yourself here and be filled with God's message of hope and transformation? That we believe as we gather on a Sunday that it's not just a thing that we check off the list, that when you come and when you leave, there's a bit of a renovation in our souls where then we can live more beautifully and more attractive to the gospel. Where we can be filled up and we can face the day. And my hope is that as we gather and as we listen and as we participate, that you can wrestle. You can wrestle with what I have to say. You can wrestle with the scriptures. You can doubt. You can be skeptical. Uh, you can have questions. You can disagree with what I have to say. Believe me, Monday mornings, sometimes I know that some of you guys disagree. You guys let me know that. But that's okay. And I would say that's worship. Wrestle with your faith. Wrestle with the scriptures. Wrestle with the sermon. That's worship. But seek truth. And I believe that as we collectively worship, this is a way, a powerful way that God reveals that truth to you. And I love that we sing together. We sing together uh, because there's something so beautiful and artistic about music. And, and that's whether you are artistic or musical yourself or not, because I 100% I am not, but there's something uh, so divine and special when I get to hear your voice and to join in on singing to God. And what music and song does all over, the, uh, all over the Psalms, all over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament, it says rejoice and sing to the Lord. See, there's something very beautiful about music. 
uh, in songs. There's something about that where it puts into uh, poetry and uh, in, in words in ways that we can never come up with ourselves. And so we sing these songs, joining the whole world, oftentimes the whole world singing these similar songs to honor and to worship and to glorify God, our creator and our giver of life. And I remember when I took a trip to Israel, and I've told this story before, I love it, where there was about probably about five or six hundred of us, we hiked up Mount Sinai. I put, put Mount Sinai in air quotes because no one actually knows. Uh, but we, we hiked up what's deemed as Mount Sinai. And I remember there was groups from different countries all over the world doing the same hike to see the sunset. And as the sunset was coming up on top of Mount Sinai, uh, there was a group of people, uh, I believe from Germany, who was singing the song, This is the Day. And maybe if you grew up in the church, you know the song. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord, right? You guys know the song? Okay, thank you. Uh, but obviously, we didn't know the words because uh, it was in a different language, but we knew the tune. And so then we heard a different language. I think it was Spanish. They started singing the same song in their own native language together. And, and then people in other languages, and, and then in English speakers, we joined in. And, and though we sang different languages, we sang the same song, glorifying God through the words, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And so we show up on Sunday mornings to sing and declare these truths together in a way that is so beautiful, so beautiful that we wouldn't have been able to do it or think of it ourselves. And so I love to sing together. And so for those of us, and I have, again, family members that say this, well, I don't need church. I can worship God on my own. I don't need church. And and though I, I think that God is with you at all times, I think there's a missing component when you abstain from being part of this collective community to give worship and to connect with one another. And not only are you or am I, when we opt not to go to Sunday Rhythm Church, not only are we missing something, but us as your church, we're missing you. We miss what you can bring to the table. We miss your voice. We miss out on your gifts. We miss out on collectively worshiping with you. And so we gather to pursue worship together, collectively. We'll get back to that. Secondly, community. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. We pursue community. In verse 43, it says, Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And I, and I know that this word community, uh, oftentimes it, it's such a buzzword, especially in the Christian uh, subculture. Community. Let's have community. Let's do community. And the fact of the matter is, we talk about community all the time, but the church is awful at it. We are, and I'll be the first one to confess that. Maybe it's a lack of vulnerability, a lack of being able to, uh, to provide time to listen, but I would say that the church in general has been terrible at actually cultivating the community that God has written about in Acts. The word community comes from the word koinonia. It's a, it's a Greek word, koinonia, means to share. 
to share, to find a common commonality in. And, and so my question for you is that in order for us to be the church that God has called us to be, what if we actually pursued koinonia? We, we shared our lives together, even on a Sunday morning where we ask, when we say, hey, how are you doing? And if things aren't well, you would actually say, things aren't well. Rather than the quintessential, things are okay, how about you? great. How about you? You can't imagine a hundred of us or whatever it is sitting in a room where everything is just grandiose. It's not. And I know that. As a pastor, I get the privilege of walking alongside many of you going through life struggles and challenges. And you don't need to look around the room, but I promise you, you're here, myself included. And so what if we can actually be a community that koinonia, when we actually share our lives, not just our lives, but share our hurts and our pains with one another. I love that in uh, Romans, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Hey, if you're happy, I want to be happy with you. Hey, if you're sad, I want to be sad with you. And, and, and we say this, this all the time, your joy is my joy. What if that's actually true in this church? Your joy is my joy. Your pains are my pains. Your tears are my tears. I would love for our community to share in that with one another. Are you broken? Are you hurt? Are you going through life challenges? Find community here. We have groups that we'll be talking about. I'm leading a group. I would love for us to take that next step, to really truly be a part in a church that shares our brokenness and our hurts with one another. To carry that burden alone is so exhausting. Don't do it alone. May our church be the church, the true church that shares life with one another. That requires us being welcoming. That requires us building trust with one another. It takes work. It takes us kicking off being vulnerable with one another. It takes us being intentional about connecting with others. You know, my favorite thing is, or slash not favorite thing, is when people come up to me and they're like, Prince, it's so hard to get connected. Yeah? Well, what are you doing about it? Oh, I go to church, you know, once a month, maybe twice a month. Oh, what else are you doing? Like, that's it. Are you joining a group? Are you reaching out to people? Are you sharing your own life? No, 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 no. Well, no wonder. But what if we became a community that actually said, I want to do life and share this life with others and have other people share their lives with me in a safe and non-judgmental in a loving space. Third, we're about justice. This is, this is what hits home for me the most. In verse 45, it says, they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the, the proceeds to all as any had need. They came together and they gave away from their own hearts, from their own desires to serve one another, not just people in the church, but also out in the world in their neighborhood. And I love the place that God has us in this unique neighborhood uh, where we can move in and settle in. 
In Luke, when Jesus was born, I love the message version. It says, God became a human and moved in to the neighborhood. Moved in to the neighborhood. In Jeremiah, when, when the Israelites were all um, uh, uh, banned and banished to Babylon, God said to them in their displacement in Babylon, in this foreign country to them, to settle in, to cultivate the land, to get married, to create, to procreate, all these things, uh, which indicates wherever you're at in this neighborhood, our God has us here in Highland Park, uh, where it's filled with diversity, whether it's with race, socioeconomics, uh, education, whatever it is, God says wherever you're at to move in. And I love the quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian. He says this, the church is only the church when it exists for others. When it exists for others. That's, that is what defines the church. And may we be defined as a church that exists for others. And so we will never, we will never be afraid or we will never shy away from talking about issues of justice and injustice. We will always seek to become an agent for justice, for reconciliation, for changes where broken, where broken things are present, to be a voice, to advocate for the marginalized. My hope is that that is something we will always do. And I honestly didn't want to waste my time on saying this, but there's this online thing that's going around called the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel of some Christians who spent hours and hours creating some website about how social justice is not biblical. Uh, and I didn't want to bring attention to that, but that is just so bogus. I'm sorry. If you disagree with me, this is not a church that you will love. I promise you that. Because we will always be about the other, not just the other, but those that we find on the margins. We'll always talk about that. We'll always be a church uh, that tackles racism, systemic racism, homelessness, uh, people with special needs, single moms and dads. We'll always pursue people that, are, that the society ignores and oppresses, refugees. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, uh, because I believe this, we're a little bit, we're kind of in trouble because I really believe that silence and neutrality is a myth. We cannot stay silent. Neutrality is already picking a position. And I'm not trying to get political. I don't want us to get political uh, because our church is filled with left, right, middle, everybody. And everybody is welcome. But I have to say this. We are always going to be gospel-centric. And, and what that means is that we pursue justice. That's all over the scriptures. And if you disagree with me, we can have coffee. And we can talk about it. But if you don't like it, I promise you, you're going to have a problem here. You're always welcome, but you may not feel comfortable, and I, maybe that's a good thing. We have a group, even uh, not to you know, do all these plugs, but we'll have a group uh, that's specific towards uh, race and justice, where, where they're going to talk about privilege and systems and even individual biases. So I encourage you to, to consider that. But I remember uh, not too long ago, I was reading this article, uh, and it had a quote from Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. He says this, he says, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. 
And, and there's a story behind why he said this. And back in uh, his time in India, he tried to go to a church, and he was rejected because he was part of the wrong caste system. In India, there's levels of caste. He was towards the bottom, and he wasn't white. In India, there was a lot of British because of colonization. And so therefore, he wasn't allowed in the Christian church. And so he says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. And again, this was a time, he's speaking against Christianity during a time where there was, uh, in his time, where there was apartheid in South Africa. There was colonization in, by the British in India. There was segregation in America. And much of this was done in the name of Jesus. No wonder people were turned off by the church. Some would argue that this still exists today. And may we be a community that worships God, that seeks truth. May we do that together in a community where we can share our lives and struggles and wrestle with worship together. And may that result into us pursuing justice to weed out what is true and what is untrue. To seek the people, it says that seek the lost, those, and sometimes the lost is us, for, for us to pursue the hurt and the lonely, that they may experience the transforming power of the gospel of the resurrected Christ as much as we can on any given Sunday. And, and lastly, we would pursue generosity. Generosity. In verse 47, it says, They were praising God, having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number to those who were saved because of their generosity. Because they saw how loving and how selfless this community came together to give away of their own lives, their own resources. And so generosity always starts off with this issue of Stewardship. It all begins with understanding that all the things that we have, that we've been given, belongs to God. That was given by God, entrusted to us in order for us to be good stewards of it, to bring glory to God's name in the way that we give of our time, our resources. And if you remember, uh, and I'm so proud of our church for this, uh, we have a friend, her name is Amy. I'm going to call her up, actually, in just a moment. Uh, she moved to uh, Lebanon to work with uh, Syrian refugee children. Uh, and so we blessed her, we prayed for her, we commissioned her, uh, because she's an example of what it looks like to be generous, to give of, and sacrifice her life, her time, her resources, in order to bring beauty and goodness and growth uh, and education to these children. And, and so during Lent, uh, and as you can see right below me are these paintings that uh, our friend Tara did every single Sunday. And uh, we sold those, and, and because you were generous, you, you bought the beautiful paintings because they were, they were beautiful, and uh, the money went to Amy to continue in what she was doing uh, in Lebanon with the children. And, and so another just lovely plug is like, if you want one of these, just rest assured, these are beautiful. These were done by Tara, being inspired by the Spirit, just, just painting. This could be yours. Uh, 
It just sounds like a kind of like an infomercial. This could be yours. Uh, but really, like we would love, I would love, my, my goal here is to get rid of these today. Today, all gone. Knowing that every dollar that was given for these paintings will go out of your own generosity, out of the church's generosity to give again to Amy as she goes back to Lebanon. So I'm actually gonna invite Amy up uh, to, to share a little bit about what's happening, what generosity looks like. Let's give her a round of applause. There you go. Hi, Amy. Uh, will you, and just, just in a couple, you know, just in a few minutes, will you share with the congregation uh, what, you're, what you're doing? Yeah, just what you're doing in Lebanon and, and how you got plugged in. And so just share with us a little bit about uh, your, your experience there. Um, so I'm over in Lebanon working with a company called ELIC that places Christian teachers overseas. Um, in areas of extreme need where the governments in the country can't really resource. So I work in a refugee camp that's not UN run, it's not really resourced. Um, And the school I work in serves over 500 kids that wouldn't otherwise be in school. Um, So I'm over there teaching second grade and kindergarten math, um, English and doing kind of outreach with art, which Tara was able to come visit me and teach some art classes. Um, and it's just like it's such a blessing to be able to be over there and serve and I I can't really imagine being anywhere else right now Um, but while I'm over there I see I guess like there's so many needs surrounding me and I I'm fulfilling one of them but there's these beautiful things that I get to see like transformations in my kids and in our communities, and you had asked me to share. Yeah, it's a highlight. Yeah, a story, a highlight. Yeah, so one of the stories I actually wanted to bring back to you guys, um, you are a character in it. Um, I take Arabic classes so that I can communicate more readily with my kids and the people in the community, visit families, and my Arabic teacher's name is Salwa. Um, She works like seven jobs because her husband was caught in a shelling in Syria, and so his leg is like not functional. Um, and this last fall, her daughter, Adele, got really, really sick. Um, she was running super high fevers for like two or three months and bleeding out of her ears. And Salwa's working, she's picking up more and more jobs, trying to make enough money to send her daughter to the hospital, right? And she brought her to five or six different specialists. These people are like, we can't do anything. Like, your daughter's just going to probably die. We don't know. Like, we can't tell what's wrong. Um, and so we finally recommended a doctor, and she took her. And it's like a very like, normal surgery that this girl needed, something that here is fixed in the hospital when your baby's born, um, just like an issue with the tubes in her ears. And so my team and I were sitting here, and like this woman, she teaches all of us Arabic. She's such a support for us and such a kind presence um, for us in that area. Um, she's always super welcoming. When I'm sick, she brings me food. Um, she's just beautiful. And so we were trying to figure out some way that we could help her um, and her daughter. And we're looking at nonprofits and all of these different routes to get Adela surgery. Um, and while this is happening, Tara's over here painting. And I didn't really know, like she had told me it was happening, but I wasn't sure what was gonna come of it at all. Um, and then one day she 
she sends me a text and she's like, dude, all these paintings sold. And she sends me this money. Um, and the amount she sent was enough that pooled with the money my team and I had put together. It covered the entire surgery for this little girl. And so after months of suffering, she was like totally happy and healthy. And so I just, I really wanted to come back and tell you guys that like, I am so thankful to you because we wouldn't really, like, we didn't have enough resources to help her. Um, and watching a little three-year-old girl suffer um, for months is really difficult. Um, so thank you for being a part of that. Um, and also, like, for, I know some of you guys pray for me while I'm over there. Like, I really, really appreciate that. It's a beautiful thing. So Salwa says thank you. I told her about you guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, Amy, we're going to pray for you uh, in just a moment. Um, at, towards the end of the service, we're going to call you back up to pray for you. But Sweet. Uh, if you want more information on how to connect with Amy, how to support Amy, I'm going to have her around the connect table uh, after service. And so if you have any questions or find ways to get involved, uh, will you just go to the table and just talk to her and ask her questions uh, and find ways that you can also be generous? Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you so much for sharing. And we'll call you back up in just a moment. So. And again, that is uh, the testimony of your generosity. And that's what happens when we say yes to being good stewards of the things that God has already given us. And so uh, right now, I'm going to actually, running a little bit late, I'm going to invite the worship band uh, back up. But here's the way I want to end, is that we as a church, we don't have it all together. We're not perfect. We're, f- we're filled with imperfect people. That includes myself. But my hope is that as we continue gathering uh, on a Sunday, as a community that will always be in pursuit of those four things, that will always be in the pursuit of worship, first and foremost, worshiping God together collectively, and that we will continue seeking community, not just this uh, blasé, cliche word community, but really find a way for us to share our lives together, that we would be pursuing justice. Well, where is God's heart? Who does God want us to love and to pursue? for us to be generous with what we have, trusting that God will provide for us, and to being faithful with God, with what God has already given us. And so on the night that Jesus was crucified, he says to his friends, he says, take this bread in remembrance of me. This is my body that was broken for you. And really what he means is the church. Jesus died and rose again for the church. He says, this is my blood that was shed for you. Take it in remembrance of me. This table is big. God's table is big. God's kingdom is big. The church doors are big. And this is for everybody. May you come and may this be a form of worship, acknowledging our lives in Christ. And let me just say this. If you don't know Christ, if, you're not, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, please come talk to somebody. I would love to take you out to lunch. I would love for you to experience and let me witness to you, not in this like, you know, let me convert you kind of way, but just let, let me be a witness into how God has affected my life. And maybe that can stir something in you. But if you've been hurt, if you have decided to not become uh, anything related to religion, 
I invite you up. Take, be part of this big table with us. We are family, all of us created in God's image. So we're gonna, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna sing, and come when you're ready. God, thank you for your word. We thank you for your church. It's broken and how messy it can be because it's filled with us imperfect people. May we still strive to be a place of hope and transformation for the world. We thank you. We thank you for your blood, your body. May we do this in remembrance of you. In your name we pray. Amen.